Sports Radio. Weekends. Let's bring in the Leisure Men. Paul Pabst and Andrew Perloff. The show starts right now. Welcome back to the Leisure Men. I'm Andrew Perloff here with Paul Pabst. Hour three, talking tons of Olympics, NFL preseason, touching on the big night in UFC. But, Paul, we have a in-studio guest. That's the great thing about working here on the Leisureman at NBC Sports down in Stanford, especially during Olympic time. There's people all over the place. Swin Cash came in the other day, great UConn basketball player. Joining us now is Rob Simulcare, who I've known for quite a long time. Rob, you've been on air with NBCSN doing the Olympics. This is second or third Olympics on air. This was my second on air. Uh, I was anchoring, actually, MSNBC. Um, I did it in London and did it this, this year, and we had a great time. It was a great team. We had a wide uh, variety of sports we had a lot of badminton we had handball we handball. had taekwondo judo we had some great moments do you find yourself when the olympics are over i'm a hardcore olympics not just because we're working here at nbc but i i get i watch everything every bit of everything i can i get a little depressed on this day because i know it's three years and 50 weeks to the next olympics do you find that i felt walking out yesterday like wow i can't believe this is over i mean not only because you're so immersed in it but when you're involved in the broadcasting, the team is so focused. You know, it's, it's sort years of like, preparation. Yes, and, and so many people are just completely focused on it that it ends and you walk out of there and you're like, what am I doing tomorrow? Like, am I just going back to day-to-day stuff? It's, it's a very special thing. So we've had a great time. Now, Rob, there were a lot of negative storylines coming in, the water and Rio. Uh, I'm sure, obviously, you heard all of them. You haven't had any time to reflect, but... Do you come away from this Olympics with negative feelings or positive feelings about Rio? Actually, I have had some time to reflect. And it's, it's funny you ask that because I was just, we're, we have a little party going on downstairs, all the staff. Thanks for the barbecue. Absolutely. Hope you guys enjoy. The ribs are amazing. Oh, I'm too deep. And I think new rule. Okay. Can I, can I go Bill Maher here? New rule. Let's stop trashing the Olympics <laughs> before the Olympics actually start. Like if we're going to say the Olympics are going to be a disaster wherever they are, let's actually wait and see. If they actually are a disaster, or maybe they're great, because it's pretty ironic, actually, when you think about it, that you could argue, I would say the worst thing that happened during these Olympics was done by an American in Brazil, who probably thought it was okay to come up with this story, because he'd heard so much negative media about how bad Rio is, and it's so criminal, and there's crime, and it's a gunfight on every street corner. So he figured, oh, well, I'll just use this story. And that'll 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 pass. Everybody go buy that because that's how it is in Rio. It did feel like Groundhog Day the past six months. We talked about it here three weeks on a leisureman that all these I'll, I'll be honest, a lot of these sports entities, sports media outlets that don't have the rights to the Olympics decided it, it's open season on NBC and the Olympics and the water was the number one target. And he said three weeks on the show, Andrew Perloff said, you know, once the Olympics start, they're not gonna mention one word about the condition of the water. It's gonna be all about the the golds and the winners and the losers. Not only that, but we had a lot of sailing on on msnbc and i couldn't believe it the first team i saw win a gold gold medal in sailing what do they do this is the water that's supposed to be like death on contact right (laughs) and what do they do the first gold medalist jumps in the water to celebrate and swims over to the other boat just to jump on and give the the silver medalist a hug i mean this was what was going on. It feels like Groundhog Day. Every Olympics Sochi had happened. They're like, oh, it's going to be a disaster. It's going to be a disaster. I would like all those guys who wrote those scare headlines and, and all their sports shows that did that three weeks ago to recap the disaster that they teased for months and say, what was the disaster and what did happen? And name one sporting event that was actually 
messed up or taken off the board because of it. And I don't see any. There's nothing. And this is becoming, and every single Olympics now, it's becoming like the first Olympic event is trashing the Olympics and how horrible they're going to be. Sochi was actually arguably worse. I went to Sochi and I was convinced that the Black Widow, who was like a terrorist from Chechnya, was like literally guaranteed to pull off a terrorist attack in Sochi. Like, it wasn't like maybe. It was like, oh, no, she's, there's definitely going to be an attack. Like, guaranteed. Right. And London had its issues. I mean, this is becoming the first medal event of the Olympics is trashing the Olympics and how, what a disaster it's going to be. So, new rule. Let's, let's stop that. It's not going to work because I guarantee you three years and seven months from now, it's going to be the same thing. We're talking to NBC Sports' Rob Simulker. Now, Rob, we were talking about the one event or the one athlete that we're going to remember in 10 years. And I'll give you a hint. Paul and I had the same athlete. One event or person that's going to stand out to you that you're going to tell your grandchildren about from this Olympics? Well, first of all, I'm a Usain Bolt freak. So I just can't – I can never say anything – bad about Usain Bolt. I think when he takes the track, that is a global moment. The whole world is focused on that. And Michael Phelps obviously was great, but I feel like Michael Phelps will be remembered for Beijing first and foremost, London to a lesser degree, and these games to an even lesser degree. I mean, his greatness was throughout all of them, but they weren't his games. Bolt, somewhat similar. You know, his great moment was Beijing. But I just think the longevity of a, of a track and field athlete doing what he did, he's my guy. Now, I think I also would probably put Simone Manuel on the, on, on the short list for me because I think an African-American swimmer doing what she did, I think is probably the most impactful moment of the game because uh, I think it's going to actually change lives. Yeah, kids under did. 10 years old. I was listening to uh, NPR the other day and, they, and it, the host, I wish I could remember his name, was saying this will affect little kids, and these will affect mothers who don't let their kids swim. And they say, maybe I can do this, or maybe my kid can do this, even if it's just social swimming, not competitive swimming. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's going to make a big difference. You know, African Americans in this country drown at a much higher rate than the general population because they don't learn how to swim. And I think for her to make it cool for African American kids and girls especially to get in the water and learn how to swim, that's a huge deal. Uh, I, Rob Simulcare of NBC Sports joining us here on the Leisureman at NBC Sports Radio. I love team handball. We learned we, – I went to Southern Illinois University, and we had team handball as an intramural sport. I knew nothing about it. I was sitting the other day pounding the table, yelling, come on, Poland. Is there any chance – is there a sport – you work in programming as well. Do you ever look at some of these sports and say, I could see a future there? I know it's yes. very niche, but rugby I know is going to grow. Yes. Rugby seems to be the, seems to be the next sport that's going to – kind of get entrenched here in America. Yes. I like I like team handball. I think that's got a ways to go. But is rugby the next one? I think rugby is the one that we have sort of uh, planted our flag on here. I, I think it's got a lot going for it. It's fast-paced. It's physical. Americans like those things. It's rough. It's it's rough. It's, there's a lot of contact. You know, it's very popular at places like Dartmouth College. There where we go. I was, somebody I was, else at this table went to college. I was looking for a segue that we could start talking about. Here it comes. Fraternities. I'll lay out. Now, I'll, wait, Rob, did you play rugby? You know, I played rugby. This is a good story. I played rugby one game, one game. I was a fullback. I made what many who were there still speak of as (laughs) one of the great tackles in rugby history. I was like the smallest guy in the field. Some guy breaks away all by himself. I ran back, like angled him on the side and just like took out his legs. I just like went straight (laughs) for the knees, like took him right out. 
and had that great moment. I was like, you know, I'm done here. I, I think I think I proved my point. And, and I walked away from the game after one. It was a great time. Wait, question for both you guys. Which is more dangerous, football or rugby? Because rugby, they're not wearing helmets. Football is more dangerous. And it's you, you wouldn't think so, you right? You feel but so the, insulated in football. You feel you're that's safer. That's the issue. People use their heads as weapons in football. And you don't do that when you're wearing a helmet. So it's safer. The concussion rate is lower. And it's, it's actually a safer game. So I think that's one of the things that rugby has going for it in this country from a participation standpoint is I think if I were – if I had boys, I have girls, but if I had boys, I would rather let them play rugby than football. Yeah, their ears may get chewed up, but they're not going to have – they're going to know what's wrong with them. The other thing I love about the Olympics are these small sports with the nuances to, that you don't really understand, and you have a great broadcaster that explains them. Otto Bolden, the track and field announcer, I think is – well, he won the Emmy, so, I mean, he's not underrated. He's fantastic. But the way he was talking about Usain Bolt and saying he doesn't get faster, he doesn't slow him down as much as everybody else. He starts slow, but his last 70 are way faster than your your last 70. And the way he breaks down the strategy of the shortest race, and you have different people covering all sports, whether it be badminton or, or when you see those announcers and you learn something about his sports as a host, do you find that you're sitting there in a host chair saying, well, I didn't even know that, and to have explained you that clearly? I got to give a shout out here to Charmaine Reed, who's here in the studio hanging out with us right now. She was our badminton analyst. Really? We had a lot of badminton on MSNBC. Now you're saying badminton because she's going to get on your case? And this woman right here is the reason why I'm saying badminton because I heard her on the air and we talked off the air and she explained to me, Americans say badminton. Like like it's what you wear when you're going for a snowball fight. Right, badminton. But it's badminton. There's an N there before the T. So she corrected my pronunciation of that, and I've been saying it right ever since. It sounds weird. So she actually helped me, and, and also we would have, like, badminton, like, rallies in the hallway after we were off the air. Like, there are people playing badminton all over Stanford, Connecticut right now. It's breaking out. It's all over the place. But, Rob, I mean, the issue, there's Ryan Lochte. The other negative storyline coming out of Rio what is the matter with U.S. badminton? I mean, it's about time we got this program <laughs> headed in the right direction. I think it's a scandal. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's a cover of SI. It's a in huge issue. What Something's is the matter with U.S. badminton? What is the matter with U.S. relay teams? Why can our men this year, in the past the women, not get around a 4 by 100 track <sighs> and make three successful baton exchanges? That turns out to be an extremely difficult thing for us and apparently nobody else. To do this, Absolutely. to exchange the baton a few times. Before we wrap it up, Rob Similcare, the other thing I really enjoyed about the Olympics are those moments where it pulls your heart out. And it's not just the pre-prepared story. Lewis Johnson was interviewing the 5,000-meter gentleman, Paul. I can't remember his last name. Uh, oh, we just had it. He's a USA. He, he finished second in the 5,000 meters to, um, to Mo Farah. Mo Farah. Mm-hmm. He's being interviewed. He's got the flag around him. He thinks he's won silver. A great moment. And Lewis Johnson has to tell him, you've been DQ'd. On, oh, you saw that. Yes. On worldwide television, this gentleman found out that he's lost the silver. He appealed and got it back. But that moment is going to be the one that I remember from the games as much as anything because you usually don't see people have their hearts ripped out on national TV. Mm-hmm. And the announcer actually showed the monitor, here's what happened. Here's where you stepped across the line. And this gentleman appealed and got his medal back. But I was sitting there watching my TV going, I, I can't believe this. This guy's finding out on live TV, worldwide TV that he just had his silver medal that he earned taken away from him. Yeah, it was a crazy moment. I think another moment, people going to the Dartmouth reference again, Yes, that people will remember is Abby D'Agostino. Yes. Dartmouth College, class of 2014, 
NCAA champion track and field runner. She was the runner who I'm sure you remember that collision that took place with the runner from New Zealand, whose name I'm forgetting right, right now. And she stopped to help, and the, and the New Zealand runner stopped to help, and they both stopped in the middle of this race to help each other. And what I noticed the most is, and I like to give shout-out to the technical people, the director saying stay on those two. If you, I was watching that race live, and the cameraman stayed on them, and the winner, or the, the other race is going on. Yep. They stayed on the two people struggling to get back in the race, and it was one of those moments that if the camera doesn't pick it up, and it may not get replayed later, and it was live TV. Yeah, no, it's the... Those are the things that uh, the images that you look back on from the Olympics 10, 20 years from now, that'll be one, I think, that people will, will always remember from these games. Just like you and I always remember Cammie Myler, the women loser from Dartmouth. Around our, Rob and I went to Dartmouth at the same time. Oh, yeah, I didn't know you guys went to Dartmouth. Yes. You guys had mentioned that. <laughs> we should probably get to that. We're probably like point. a Harvard, yeah. He was in Kai Gam. I was in Theta Delta. There was some bad blood, but we're moved past that. We're all good now. Now, yeah. R- Rob, well, you're probably going to be hosting on the Olympics four years from now. This, we're going to talk about it. Odds that the leisuremen are still on the air in four ma- years for the <laughs> Japan Olympics. Can you lay odds now, or do you got to go? Would, I would say very strong odds. Wow. You guys are off to a fantastic start. Love the show. Thank you. Hope you're getting good feedback and response out there. But you guys are great. We love you. Keep it up. Let's do it in Tokyo in four years. Let's do this. We'll be drinking sake on the final night of the Olympics. Who's in? Lock it down. I'm in. Roger, I am Roger. there. Thanks a lot for sitting in with us. Rob Simulcare of NBC Sports Network, our buddy. We're going to stick around. We're going to take your calls. And Chris Mannix joining us from Rio. We're the Leisurman. This is NBC Sports Radio. Sunday night, the Leisurman Show on NBC Sports Radio. I'm Pauly Pabst. He's Andrew Perloff. Now, we're going to bring in, in a minute, our buddy who handles the updates here, Dave Denholm. He's in the Los Angeles studios. Dave, upset because he's missing the barbecue, but he'll be joining us in a minute. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a serious question. If Let's say you're on the fencing team or you're a niche athlete. You're on handball. Let's say you're a fencer, and you won the gold medal in fencing, and you're going to move back, and you're 25 years old. And say, you're, so am I single? Yeah, you're single. Oh, I'm. I'm. I'll tell you right now. I'm but, wearing it everywhere. But you can't, can you? I mean, you can't really wear it out to a bar. You wear it to events. Okay. Yes, I wear it to a bar. But when you, let's say, you're 25 years old and you have an apartment, and you know, or you own a little place, where do you display your gold medal? Well, very prominently. I mean, it's the you got to show it off. If you're single, the point of winning a gold medal is right, take away to impress single. people. Let's say you're a married oh, man, okay. a young married man, and you yeah, have a, a suburban home. I think I'm fra- sort of putting it in some sort of frame on top of the fireplace. Simple. Fireplace? I, yeah. I got a fireplace. Oh, okay. We got a lot to get here because that answer was fantastic. Mark Spitz, we talked to Mark Spitz a couple weeks ago on the DP show, and he said he's seen his medals three times. He put them in a safety deposit box. Now, he has a bunch. And everyone knows who he is. So you would put yours on the, the main fireplace in the living room of your home? Above the fireplace? That's, that's yeah. a me first move, isn't it? I don't know. I mean, what else do I got going? What, I have a picture of my kids. Of course I'm going to put it there. What, what are you going to do? I don't even know what the other options are. I think a storage I would, room? I, no. I, I would be worried that it would get stolen and things like that or messed with. I think I would put it in my study or my office in a more subtle place where people could come and see it. But it's not like, hey, man. You have to rec- recognize my gold medal. <laughs> you know, you're right, actually. Like, I would come off as a jerk. <laughs> n- but n- you're, you're, you're being truthful. You, that's where you would put it. You're very proud of it. Very proud. And also, is it like, uh, be it like a lark. Like, ah, oh, my buddies made me wear this out tonight. You know, I would play it off. I'd find an excuse to bring it into a social scene. Because what kind of better deal closer is there than a gold medal? Well, that's going back to the single. Now, what if one of your buddies said, hey, can I borrow the gold medal? And no. You don't let them leave the house with it. No. 
No, you certainly don't. No loaning of the metal. What if it's, no. a, what if it's a bronze? Bronze, then, then you're open for negotiation. <laughs> All right, let's bring in our man on the updates, Dave <laughs> Denholm. Dave, you like this talk? I do, but you guys are both wrong. Uh, oh. you, the, the real answer is you don't take off your medals ever if you win a gold medal in the Olympics. <laughs> like Metal World Peace when he wore his uniform <laughs> exactly. when the Lakers won for five days? Are you kidding me? I would wear that thing until the day I die if I wore, won a gold medal. That's, like, of course, that's how far away I am from a gold medal. So. Like Iron Man, you have it implanted in your chest oh. and you just rip your shirt off. <laughs> All right, Dave, what do you have for us tonight? Uh, let me ask you this question. This is the one of the key questions for the week for me is how big of a muffin basket does Hope Solo have to send Ryan Lochte. Oh, what a great analysis there. Hope Solo was the, I don't know if you'd say bad girl, but the negative American story of the Olympic Games. For week one. Yeah. Was it Sweden where she said they, they played like cowards? Yeah, exactly. After they lost. And she I, was part of the loss. That's a great point. Dave. I totally forgot about her. I totally forgot that she was a negative storyline. That you're right. Lochte gave everyone the biggest hall pass. Who was the swimmer who called out the Russian swimmer? Oh, Lily King. Lily King. Now she wasn't really in a hot seat there, but she was a. Well, she was she was praised for doing that. Although the Russian swimmer, I I think people were sympathetic to. Dave, how much of a hall pass do you think she got? Oh, she got a massive hall pass. Is it fair to even like at this point after all the things that Hope Solo has been through? Is she a punk? Even at 30-plus years old, I mean, well, at some point, don't you have to grow up? She is the example of that if your talent is still better than your behavior yeah. and your tone and your difficulty to deal with, she just seems like a person that's difficult to deal with, but she's so good at her job in the past 12 years that she got away with it. At some point, like when you're 17 and doing that, don't we all kind of sit back and go, boy, somebody's going to you know, give them their comeuppance eventually. They better be careful. You know, you're a young punk kid, but she's—I mean, she's in her 30s now. It's not cute. It's not cute anymore. Ryan Lochte's 32. Dude. Yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah. well, that's even worse, you know, for what those guys were going through. But he deserves—he should be sending her some Pepperidge Farm <laughs> massive basket loaded with meats and cheeses, without now question. You, you watched a lot of the Olympics. Is there a niche story that's going to stay with you, or are you still with the? I'll tell my grandkids I got to saw you see Usain Bolt live. Yeah, it's pretty much Usain Bolt for me. That's what I, I kind of mentioned that yesterday. That's the storyline for me that sticks out. Uh, the niche stories might have been, you know, maybe if uh, Australia had, you know, come back and, and, and done something in the men's basketball, but then they didn't even get a medal. They kind of just gagged late. I thought if they even got silver and lost to the U.S., that would have been kind of a cool story the way they were yeah. playing. All right, Dave, get your act together. you got an update. <laughs> we're taking your calls next, 855-323-4622. He's Perloff on Paps. We're the Leisurman. This is NBC Sports Radio. Welcome back to the Leisurman. I'm Andrew Perloff here with Paul Paps. We're brought to you by Granger. Serving you with the products you need to help keep your facility running. Call, click, or stop by today. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, Paulie, we got a caller on the line from one of our favorite states. Who is this? Jason in Wisconsin. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's up, buddy? I'm in Polly's favorite town uh, in Madison, but I'm going to oh. your hood for loss this week. And I'm going to be there all week, and I'm looking for the most leisureman thing to do which is to get a cut and a shave. And I'm wondering if you guys have any recommendations of where I can go to do that while I'm in Brooklyn this week. All right, Jason, thanks. Uh, stick on the line here, so listen in for this one. Jason, Wisconsin is going to Brooklyn, New York. That's where McLovin lives. And there is a place called Freeman's Sporting Club, freemansportingclub.com. Now, the reason we know about this is Men in Blazers, 
Raj and Devo, they are on NBCSN, the great soccer analysts, soccer entertainers. Men in Blazers had like Men in Blazer Con in Brooklyn, remember? We went to Yeah, that. that was so cool. It was some warehouse on some super hip neighborhood in Brooklyn. It was the hippest event. It was Men in Blazers Con. It was like a convention of Men in Blazers fans. And we went and we're walking through and get a pint of Guinness and uh, got something to eat. All of a sudden, we look up and then there's guys getting their hair cut at a party. It was like a big hip party. There's Rebecca Lowe. I'm trying to look good. And, and uh-huh. I see Freeman Sporting Club and they're cutting hair. And I sat there, had a Guinness. You sat there talking to me, and we, I got a haircut. Yeah, it's actually not in Brooklyn. It's on Rivington Street, downtown. Lower Manhattan. It, yeah, it's about 15 minutes from the bridge in Brooklyn. Now, the best part is there's an amazing restaurant attached to it, and there's this unbelievable clothing store. It's a full experience. They do the shave, the hipster haircut. You know, you get short sides. Uh, they'll probably leave some sort of beard thing going on. I mean, Paul, you know what it is. Everybody comes out of there looking like they just came from Vermont, which is ironic. <laughs> it's got sort of that urban, hip look, and Freeman's is ground zero for what is fashionable. Yeah, I would check that out. If you're also visiting New York, if you're going to be in southern Manhattan, there's a great pizza place called Lombardi's Pizza. I used to live in Oh, uh, no, 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 no. I'm giving out a – there's yeah. a lot to choose from. But you're leaving Brooklyn to go to Manhattan for pizza? That's crazy. Brooklyn is a better pizza borough. I agree. But I'm just saying here's a sure thing in Manhattan. You okay. can, I'm going to set you up next to get the best pizza in Brooklyn. If you go to Manhattan, Lombardi's Pizza, 32 Spring Street. I used to live on the fourth floor. It's killer. Where's your best pizza spot? Oh, well, the best, I mean, everyone agrees the best pizza place in America is Grimaldi's on the corner two blocks from my house in downtown Brooklyn. It's uh, a line that's about 100 people deep, 24-7. You have to go at the right time. Now, of course, it's flat. Paul, you're from Chicago. We get into the deep <laughs> dish versus flat argument. We're not going to do that here. No, someday we will. All right, a couple other topics. A big topic last week in the NFL was the Al Jazeera article You going back to late January and Peyton Manning was accused of taking HGH or getting HGH from this company. The Al Jazeera story with Peyton Manning went away, but there were other players accused, including Pro Bowl linebacker Clay Matthews, Julius Peppers. They were told from the NFL, you got to talk. You got to uh, cooperate with this investigation, investigation or you're suspended indefinitely. What's the status with these players and will they talk to the NFL? Uh, well, they were reportedly will talk to the NFL uh, this week or next week. Clay Matthews, Julius Peppers, and James Harrison, I believe. As of right now, Mike Neal has not agreed the uh, fourth player, the fifth player being Peyton Manning. This seems like another win for the NFL as far yeah, as discipline. I mean, yeah. Now, it's, it's interesting, though. Okay. Take NFL out of it. What if you put MLB in there and there was a report, although the report was being recanted in kind of a weird way. If MLB did not pursue a steroid angle, we would rip the MLB. But the media has, of course, ripped the NFL for saying they're overstepping their bounds. I'm not sure they're overstepping their bounds just to want to talk to these guys about a PED report. What do you think? Uh, yeah, you're right. It is a major news organization, news organization, worldwide news organization. Wow, the whole building's rumbling. Is that is that closing ceremony activity? Oh, my God. Oh, because there's, like, fireworks going on, and it's coming through all the speakers at NBC Sports. We're in NBC Sports in Stanford, and we're outside this, basically the soundstage where our radio studio is, and there's huge speakers as tall as us, almost as tall as you. And when the music went on, the thumb, thumping at the Olympics, this whole studio just shook. Yeah, uh, what were we saying? Al Jazeera? Oh, yeah. So, wait. so the NFL went after them. Everyone said the NFL, Roger Goodell's being, you know, overstepping his bounds. It's interesting to me, Paul. It feels like the NFL punishes you more for not cooperating than what you actually did. As long as you cooperate, you can get, get things uh, knocked down a little. The Giants kicker, Josh Brown, uh, had an interesting thing with domestic violence. He cooperated and got his suspension knocked down. It does seem like 
if you throw yourself on the sword, you less you're going to get punished, but it won't be as bad. I mean, Deflategate was that more about deflating footballs, or was it more about Tom Brady destroying his phone and not cooperating? It seemed like the story ramped up after the story came out that Brady uh, didn't didn't uh, destroy his phone. Brady was in a tough position though because it was right after the AFC title game, right before the Super Bowl, and he downplayed the story. I remember when he taped an interview with Bob Costas. He's like, "There's no truth to it. There's nothing to it." The next day on WEI, he's like. I've heard it all, man. This is a nothing story. I think Brady at the time thought, this is going to go away in a day or two. Once we get ramped up for the Super Bowl, what if Brady would have said next day in WEA? Because, yeah, we've been deflating the balls for years. <laughs> it's such a dumb rule that every quarterback should have it his way. And, yeah, we've been deflating the balls, but we've been deflating them since uh, 01 when I took over the job. Yeah. He couldn't say that. What if, he, what if, he did, what if that was the truth and he said it? He would have probably got a small fine. And well, yeah, there was. I mean, it was a twenty-five thousand dollars fine for the Vikings were drying footballs on a heater, right? But it got caught on TV, so they got fined twenty-five thousand dollars, which is doctoring a football. And there's a precedent. yeah, but Brady though would it might have been a little bit different though because they because he's Tom Brady. No, because what they were accused of is five minutes after the officials marked the balls after measuring them, they took them into a bathroom and deflated them. That's far different. The Vikings were <laughs> the Vikings were clearly clueless about the rule. They did it on TV and were bragging about it. Now, yeah, the thing was destroying the cell phone. The NFL got mad about the cell phone, and I think he destroyed the cell phone because who wants – you're Tom Brady. Who knows what's on that cell phone? You want to protect your friends or maybe you want to protect your personal life. No way you're giving up your cell phone. All right, we had Peter Schrager on from NFL Network earlier. You sat in on his podcast. And you guys talked about the most intriguing teams in the NFL, which is... Well, just for preseason. Preseason. Early, preseason, early season. Because I, I, I agree that there's teams that you don't think are going to make the playoffs, but you sure are intrigued by them. I, I'm fascinated by the Tennessee Titans offense because it almost feels like they could run the wishbone. Yes, there, there seems to be a little bit of a trend that teams are going heavy on the run. Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray look like they're poised to be a one-two punch, but this is preseason. But if you let Marcus Mariota throw the ball less, he doesn't have a great receiving core. He's got a nice tight end. He's got two great running backs. He won a Super Bowl for Denver last year. Neither running back will have to carry the ball more than 20 times. They, got a, they have some talent on the offensive line. Uh, the thing is, it's Tennessee Titans. Right. No defense. The defense is okay. They have a good defensive line, actually, and they're going to play a very conservative style. Here's the thing. Same thing with the Cowboys. I actually did a story for SI on the Cowboys, how everything goes right. Two years ago when they won, they held on the ball so long with their running game. The defense was never on the field. Tony Romo was never in third. DeMarco Murray had, I think, 400 carries. Yeah. So they're going to do that same formula. They're going to protect a questionable defense. Are you saying Titans playoffs, Paulie? No, I know you're not saying that. But are you hopeful about that team at all? I'm hopeful because I love the idea of going against the grain, your thing, and saying we're going to run the ball and make you stop us. There's so much f- focus on rush defensive lines. Yeah, there's it's nickel or dime all coverage the time. linebackers. Yeah, they, now they're moving safeties in the linebackers. Deion Buchanan in Arizona. There's a couple guys doing that. I love the running game. I would like to see a team go 60% run one of these years and see what happens. Okay, I'll give you a choice. You get to watch one of these teams all season and you can't see the other. All season. Tennessee Titans or Jacksonville Jaguars? Oh, man. I like the Jaguars because they're a more threatening team. Hate the uniforms, which shouldn't factor in, but it does because I hate them that much. <laughs> Come on. I, I'm going to watch the Jaguars because I think their games will be more competitive. But from a curiosity standpoint, I'm very curious about the Titans offense. Same question to you. Oh, I, I'm very curious about Tennessee, too, but Jacksonville by far. I want to uh, trademark a phenomenon. 
It's when you own either Alan Hearns or Alan Robinson in fantasy, and there's a pass to the end zone, and you're not sure which Alan caught the touchdown. You get credit for either? Which Alan was that who caught the touchdown? Question mark. I'm thinking of trading that. Oh, Trademark In fantasy football, if you draft one, you get the rights for both. I totally think it should be that way because that's the fun part about this team. Blake Bortles winging it to his wide receivers. The rest of the team, we're not so sure about. All right, coming up after the break, the Paps family had a fantasy football dilemma today. <laughs> And you don't even know about this shit. I haven't given it to you yet. But you're, you're, you know a lot about fantasy football. I'm going to get your opinion. Stick around with the Leisureman, NBC Sports Radio. Wow, I can't believe this is the last segment of the show. Paul, what happened? Uh, great show. We're at NBC Sports in Stanford. We're at Leisureman. Right outside, if you look out the window, the, the party is still going on. They have barbecue until 10 p.m. Eastern. Oh, we are about to hit that in a big way. So we're, we're double dipping. We had dinner at 5.15 Eastern, and we're going to have our second dinner at the barbecue tent. Absolutely. Is that, that's approved, right? That is leisureman approved. All right, Paul, uh, you came in with a situation today, a family fantasy football dilemma hit us. That's correct. My wife has never played fantasy football. She knows a little about the NFL. She knows who Tom Brady is and Peyton Manning. (laughs) She knows generally a little bit about everything, but she's never come close to playing fantasy football. She doesn't really know how it works, the scoring system, who you draft. She agreed. She goes to a gym, and they, a bunch of people at the gym said, let's do a fantasy football league online. Sure. She gives her 20 bucks. She comes to me. She goes, hey, would you help me with my fantasy football draft? I'm like, sure. You want some tips? She goes, I don't understand how you do it. You pick players for the season, for the week. So I oh, spent no. about – no, it wasn't so bad. My wife's awesome. Uh, I spent about 20 minutes going over the structure of fantasy football. You draft a team. You start players. You, you sit players. You add and subtract. She's like, wow, that's a lot of maintenance. So fast forward to the draft. She goes, would you just draft for me? I'm like, no, I won't do that. I mean, it should be illegal to have me draft for you. I mean, it would not be fair to other people in the league. Of course. And so I sat by her advising her on the draft and things to do. She had the number two overall pick in her draft. So where'd you go? Running back Todd Gurley of the Rams. Was that her call or your call? My call. She goes, what about T. Gurley? I go, T. Gurley would be a great pick. T. Gurley too. Yeah, uh, T. Gurley too. And uh, she goes, he's an RB. She's an RB. And so... Then she came back, and she got your guy, wide receiver A.J. Green of Cincinnati. Love it. Hope he stays healthy. Yeah, thanks for that. Uh, then she got Lamar Miller, the running back from Houston. Looking great in preseason. Then her fourth overall pick, Jordy Nelson of Green Bay. Comeback season. Oh, man. You well, got A.J. Green with a history of concussions and Jordy Nelson coming off an injury. Our team has off-field issues. Just But that injury. could be a value pick, okay. Then her backup running backs, Ryan Matthews of Philly, uh, Jonathan Stewart of Carolina, Melvin Gordon of San Diego. Melvin Gordon. Yes. He's going to be the band. Yes. I like her running back course. She got Jeremy Macklin of Kansas City, uh, Moncrief of Indianapolis. Then she got Jordan. Is Jordan Reed of Washington? Right. Oh, a tight end? Yes. Jordan Reed fell that far? Yeah, she got him in the fifth round. There's an interesting trend. Tight ends are top-heavy. Gronk's going high. Jordan Reed higher than expected. Now, she got about eight rounds in i said it's time for a quarterback she goes okay oh let me guess eight rounds in quarterback how many teams in the league eight teams there weren't a lot of quarterbacks gone yet there's about four quarterbacks picked already big ben she got russell wilson of the seahawks because she knows i'm a fan of his there you go you see his numbers in the second half of last year awesome they were brady manning-esque yeah, that's so, a great pick so her starting lineup is really good now Week-to-week management I'm concerned about. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't expect much. You're going to be busy, Paul. I think I am. All right, it's time for First Crack. Tomorrow morning on Sports Radio, what's going to be the lead? Well, it's obviously going to be Olympics. We're wrapping the Olympics. I think 
people are still going to be on Lochte because he apologized this weekend, Ryan Lochte. They'll play the sound from the Matt Lauer Lochte yes. interview. Yeah, and I think there's still more to hash out. I think the facts are pretty much clear, but I think there's going to be a lot of judgment on Lochte, and I think he deserves it. I think so, too. I think they're going to, everyone's going to play the sound of Lochte and kind of hammer him one more time. No one's going to be in his corner. Peter Schrager is one of the few people. Um, they hit I, a great point. When you get a gun pointed at you in a foreign country, it makes sense to panic. Yeah, or exaggerate the story afterwards. I think the Olympics is going to fade out pretty quick as a topic because there was no shocker surprise athlete. Bolt did what we thought. Phelps did what we thought. Ledecky, great. Biles, she did what we thought, and she's going to get a lot of pub and a lot of money for it. But there's no, oh, my God, what happened? We got screwed. The, the, the basketball team, they handle business. Right. Positive storylines don't linger. If some, if a kayaker... <laughs> Boy, that, that should be the summary of sports radio. Yeah. I mean, if uh, you know three kayaks sunk because they hit sofas, then we'd be talking about that for two weeks. We're going to talk about Lochte. Negative stories sell. That's why you had all the negative stories coming into the Olympics. I am curious if any of these sports radio shows or TV shows, sports TV shows, are going to talk about what they said about the Olympics before in Brazil, what they said afterwards. Because if you declared it a disaster three weeks ago, recap the disaster. If you said, this is going to be the one of the worst Olympics, of Rio's not prepared, the water's dangerous. Okay, let's recap that three weeks later and what do we do with it? Don't hold your breath, Paul. You know that's not happening. But the only angle I think that would be a little deeper would be, all right, let's look at future Olympic bids more skeptically. So when we're looking at the Olympic bids for 10, 12 years from now, mm. and we look at a, a city that's not, it doesn't have the infrastructure, let's talk about that now, not after they get the bid, because then it's too late. Well, it is a little complicated. You know, Brazil hit a huge recession about three years after they won the bid. They were on you the rise. could see that coming. Their economy was on the rise. And hey, you know what? Tok- you never know what's going to happen in four years. Uh, one more first crack. I think Dak Prescott will be the NFL guy that people are talking about. Not because of him, it's the Cowboys. Anything positive or interesting that happens with the Cowboys gets magnified. There's no doubt. There's going to be people saying, how did they, people miss on him? If, um, he, if he had gone out a year earlier, his second to last year in college, he was the hot ticket. He took a beating his last year at Mississippi State, and he just didn't get the headlines. Well, people didn't know. They thought he was a running quarterback because he came from the Tebow system with Dan Mullen. Uh, one more uh, NFL situation, Denver Broncos quarterback. On Twitter right now, apparently Gary Kubiak says some things. Don't count out Paxton Lynch for winning the job week one. I think the Denver Broncos are going to get some criticism this week for not having a better quarterback situation going into place this year with an obvious Super Bowl contending defense. Yeah, well, you you like Paxton Lynch, though. He's a small school I, I like guy. Him, I like him in two years, sure. I, I loved him in college. You I, know, I don't. I, it's hard to picture a rookie leading a quarterback to a title. That being said, your young, guy, Russell Wilson. Young, young Russell Wilson, young Ben Roethlisberger, they did enough to get by. Yeah, Andy Dalton made the playoffs in his first year. It's a different NFL. You know, if you protect a quarterback, they can do a lot. How quick are the NFL stories ramped up this week as far as – there wasn't a lot of drama week, too. Well, a lot of people are doing fantasy drafts. So I think you're going to see a lot of people – look around your office this week, and you'll see a lot of people looking at rankings, <laughs> you know. Printing out sheets with names. Yeah, you're going to see uh, Barry at ESPN. You're going to see all the Yahoo rankings. It's going to be a good time. All right, the other thing I think is interesting is we always talk about participation sports and how second place is not that bad. Bronze medal for two weeks every four years – Second and third is, is awesome. But it goes, yeah, it, come on. it goes away after this. Yes. Well, you know what we're about to do, which is a gold medal event. We are about to finish up the barbecue outside NBC Sports. He's Andrew Perloff. I'm Paul Paps. We're the Leisurman every Sunday night right here on NBC Sports Radio. Tune in. Check out the show on demand at NBCSportsRadio.com. We'll talk to you next week. Later.